Welcome back to another episode of A Spirited Debate. I'm Fad Thor, and for the next hour, I will be your host and moderator. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Big Mac, Hoss, and The Grinch, as we have a drink, or several, and debate another tasty topic for your listening pleasure. If you like what you hear, please smash that follow button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever the hell you get your podcasts. In fact, if you don't like what you hear, do yourself a favor and smash that follow button anyway. Because let's be honest, you may not be into this week's topic, but who knows what tomorrow brings. You might just wake up and realize you suddenly have good taste. And as always, feel free to drop us a line and let us know what topics you'd like us to debate. Now, as our sound guy cues up the music, grab yourself a delicious beverage, sit back, relax, and join us for another Spirited Debate. Because no, I no, can always spin that wasn't my point. Just <laughs> <laughs> So quantum uh, physics. Look here, look here, uh, Brett Michaels. We're, in the, uh, we're just exploring my inner demons here. You wouldn't have been quite as polite when you left the internet. No. I mean, if need be, we can start a GoFundMe yeah. page for you. This is where we lack comparative knowledge, Mac. Damn, dude, three hours later. Others actually want to watch some people play. Steve reference Rick and Morty. <laughs> I will do my editing, don't you worry. That's fantastic. <laughs> Welcome, gentlemen. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Good, good. Doing good, doing good. Uh, so, you know, we've had a few weeks off in terms of our, our normal debate sessions where we've obviously kind of ventured down more personal paths, try to enlighten the listeners, kind of who we are and the things that we like when it comes to movies, music, things of that nature. And then, of course, our Q&A session, which, of course, was interesting as hell. Now it's time to jump back into a little more meaningful debate, simply because, as we know, elections are fast approaching. We all, I'm sure, have seen that, speaking of ABC liquor stores, that ABC did sit through the Senate, uh, in a lot of cases made a fool of herself, couldn't answer all the rights given to you in the First Amendment and shit I like mean, that. that was, that was, uh, wow. I don't, uh, what am I forgetting? It's like, uh, you should know, bitch. That, that was an abomination of legal testimony. Yeah. And then, of course, bitch McConnell came out and said they're going to try to push her through the vote on the 22nd of October. Yeah, we know where we stand with that. So in light of that, I thought we would jump back into a debate about health care. We, we have some health care issues, obviously, within our own family members and things of that nature, people that are getting old and that have issues. So I thought it might be a good way for us to just talk about health care with a, a voting in a national election fast approaching here on November 3rd. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna break this into a two-part session, not to be long-winded, but the first section, we're basically just gonna touch on the United States healthcare system. And then the second episode, we're gonna touch on a socialized healthcare system and then kind of compare and contrast the two, which ones are better for what reasons and things of that nature. So it'll be a two-parter. So if you listen to the first part, please, please listen to the second part. You're gonna need to, to know how this wraps up. With that being said, we are also working around the room. We, we picked drinks for each other in this episode as well. And so we will go around the room. We don't have a birthday to celebrate, so there's no official somebody going first. So Haas, I'm going to let you go first. Just give us a breakdown of what your drink is. We'll go around the room and then we can discuss why we chose the drinks for the opposite person afterwards. So you're up. Go for it. Yeah, Big Mac chose uh, uh, the Brass Monkey for me well, and, and, here, and, and here's what's interesting uh, well, that funky that monkey. wasn't even in it wasn't in my app uh, so i got to i got to add something like i contribute to the to the awesome drink app wait um, I, I thought the app was supposed to direct you as to what you like well yeah but but this is big mac choosing hey, for me. i know better so, than his app what he's gonna and, want and i mean big mac's known me way longer than the app's known me so so know. wait a minute when i chose your drink was it in your app yes 
Oh, look at that. I think I know you better. Me and the app, we're like this. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Your drink. Brass Monkey. You're muted. I love it when you're muted because you talk shit and I can't hear you. <laughs> Brass Monkey, uh, go for it. Yeah, so it's uh, equal parts rum, uh, light rum, and vodka with, uh, with orange juice. And then I admittedly decided to add uh, just a dash or two of grenadine. Okay. Um, because because honestly, it didn't look very brassy without the grenadine. So I threw in the, the grenadine uh, to make it look a little more brassy color. But uh, I'm not going to lie, I pre-gamed today. That's okay. Um, this may be my third or fourth one. I did as well. I had Kahlua in my coffee when I woke up. So that's it's all good. All right. So we're going to flip to the other side of that coin. Mac, he was your partner this week. So what are you drinking? So I was gifted the Raleigh. That is basically white rum, orange juice, lime juice, and grenadine. Pour it over some ice, shake it up really well, and strain it into a glass. I don't know how it turned out. I put it in a nice fancy glass because it looked official. I can only assume that I lost some sort of a bet because I assume this tastes very much like the Boulevard A, which is shit and probably looks about the same. All right, Dr. Grinch, thank you for joining us today, pulling yourself away from your practice. Yes. Uh, give us yes. a rundown on what you are drinking. Uh, drinking the, it's a bourbon, bourbon, uh, bourbon and honey beer cocktail. So, uh, a lager with a little bit of bitters, uh, some lemon juice, some honey and a ounce of bourbon. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, I used agave instead of the, like simple syrup, uh, or instead of the honey, cause I had a Mexican lager. So I was like, eh, you know, I'll tinker with it just a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it, it's smooth that the lager kind of keeps the bulk of its flavor, it just kind of sweetens it up a little bit and smooths it out, you know, because you add the lemon. And then I will go last, Dr. Fatchy here. Um, so I am having a Havana Delight or uh, a Carnival Cocktail Number no. 4 is what it's called. And it is rum. They prefer Bacardi. I actually am using Mount Gay rum. And then Kahlua instead of heavy cream, like in a white Russian, it's coconut cream which is sweet as fuck. So it is literally like drinking candy because obviously the Kahlua is sweetened. The coconut cream is sweet. And then obviously the rum adds a little punch to it. And it's supposed to be put in a blender with ice and it's supposed to be a frozen drink as we discussed in the margarita episode with Mac. I don't like blended drinks. So I just put it over ice and I figure once the ice melts and waters it down a little, maybe it'll be okay, but it's really just super sweet. So this is not something you can put in a fishbowl or a flower vase. I was going to say, I, I don't see the, the, the flower vase, dude. What's mm, no, I could not. I would literally be sick. This, I mean, this would lead into our health care issue where you probably don't have enough dental coverage to, to drink a flower vase of that. Exactly. And of course, I, it says you can serve it in a martini glass, but I didn't. Obviously, over ice, it worked better in, in the lowball. So that's what I am drinking, a Havana Delight or Carnival Cocktail Number 4. Okay. So since it's on me, I'll go first. Grinch was my partner. I chose the honey bourbon beer. I know he drinks bourbon. I know he drinks beer. And it seemed like a perfect combination just to mix the two together. And so that is what I decided to send him. Plus, I wanted to try it. Obviously, you guys know I make my own beer at home. And I thought, well, down the road, if I make myself a light lager and I've got plenty of bourbon in the house and I want to drink something like that, I figured I would test his palate first and let him let me know if it's worth drinking. So that's what I chose for him. Dr. Grinch, why did you... Why'd you yeah, choose dessert? Yeah, uh, I think for yours, it was just kind of thinking, I, I, I didn't recall if we'd used Kahlua before. Um, and I kind of started with Kahlua because I was thinking of uh, the infamous Tim Fowler with like the roasted toasted almond 
Uh, that's what I started to go with, but then I just, I caught, that one caught my eye. So gotcha. uh, it would be fun. I think we've done Kahlua one other time. I think Mac had it early on. I think he drank a white Russian. Yeah. And I was, I was going to do that drink. I mentioned to Mac when he brought that up, which is like the, uh, the vodka, the marshmallow vodka with the Kahlua. And yes. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't want you to have to buy too much more stuff. So, uh, so I was like, ah, I'll table that for now. Didn't stop me from buying more stuff. I spent $116. COVID me could outdrink college me. Yes. Any oh, any day of the week. <laughs> That's it. All I was right, about to say, do you guys find, do you, do you all find you're drinking more during the week? Cause we're all basically working from home, right? Or at home on a more regular basis. I don't know that I find I'm, I'm drinking more, but I don't think I'm drinking a, a lot. Uh, no, I don't think I'm drinking more during the week unless it's like, uh, I'm going to be having a drink for the weekend that I've chosen. And I want to try it like you try it ahead of time to make sure is this going to be agreeable with me or am I going to be like, no, this was a mistake. So I have done that a few times, but no, I don't, uh, I don't plow. Well, that's not true. Mac and I actually plowed through some whiskey the other night. Playing golf. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I will occasionally, but no, I don't, I don't think it's any more than normal. Uh, what about you, Mac? Why did you choose Haas's drink? I, I know Haas is a big fan of the rum. I figured we'll, we'll mix it with a little bit of vodka and uh, the orange juice would be pretty good. Also, just, you know, the ode to, to the Beastie Boys there as well for, for Brass Monkey. They were doing more just orange juice and 40 ounces, but I think we've evolved from that a little bit. So we, we would go with the official Brass Monkey. And then let's round it out. Haas, why did you pick the, uh, the Boulevardier Junior? Because of the name. And because uh, okay. of where he lives, I'm serious. And and when I looked at it, I thought, you know, it, it sounds like it'd be pretty good. I mean, and you get to use a fancy glass, and it's something you haven't done before. It's not like a beverage type you've done before. Is it really that bad, bro? It's, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty rough, man. I'm gonna be honest with you. All uh, right. Well, duly noted. I, I won't. I won't try it then. I, I would. I would highly not recommend this. Let me ask you yeah. a question. When you're picking a drink like that, do you use your app to pick his drink? or you? This was in the app, yeah. No, no, no. Other way around. Haas, are you using your app to pick his drink or just going to the yes. internet? And, oh, you are? No, I use the app, yeah. Look, yeah, I, this paid was, yeah. I paid, paid $4.99 for that app. I'm leveraging the fuck out of this thing. So this is a, a drink that bastard. should be in your wheelhouse in terms of what you should like. Based on- I don't know that it, it, it doesn't always give you – I mean, I think it will give you some recommendations, right, Haas? But yeah. I, mean, I think it gives you a whole list of a bunch of other stuff as well that, you know, you can punish your friends with. Well, I mean, I, I think that's, that's a really, whole category, I, I, look, apparently. I'm, I'm not, I, I can either confirm or deny that I, I, I can confirm I did not mean to punish you. I can either <laughs> confirm or deny whether or not I'm enjoying it or not. <laughs> right? <laughs> Or, or, or the fact that it's a happy accident, you know, yeah. Or, or, and the, and, and the, the icing on the cake is now I know to scratch that one off the list. There so I go. won't waste, I won't waste any of the wonderful materials that I have. Uh, and I don't know why that that's forged for to make. Uh, but it might be stuff. something you would like. That's the difference in the palette here, right? It might be I mean, something you would like. Maybe it's I don't possible. Know. If, if you hate yourself. I mean, <laughs> yes. you didn't know you would like. <laughs> you really don't like this thing. <laughs> Jesus, the I resentment think, is building. I said, I think, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm scared to see Mac now, like in person for the first I think, time. I think oh, the Raleigh no, no, no. beverage ranks up there with Vanderbilt's football team. Jesus Christ! Yes, it does. Um, okay. How do you know you don't oh, like something unless you tried it? Huh? That's it. You, you didn't know you'd like three fingers in the bum until you tried it, right? So, which is you, amazing, by the way, especially if you can get it to vibrate. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> we're talking about a drink, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. 
let's move this let's move this uh, along all right so healthcare is the topic of the day and again we're we're really focused on the united states healthcare system and so the question ultimately being we rail in this country for some fucking reason we rail against socialized medicine we say socialism and that word for some reason just gets the hair on the back of people's necks to stand up and they, they have this issue with socialized medicine. And I hate to point out that we've had socialized medicine in this country for years through Medicare, Medicaid, the VA. It goes a step further than that, actually. It does, but the- I mean, I, mean, I, I get on this soapbox regularly when people talk about, I don't want no stinking socialized medicine and freaking commie medicine in my country. Well, he, he, you know, here's the problem. If people who aren't insured go to the ER, they have to be seen. By law, yeah, you're paying. You're sick. paying for it when we're right. right. Exactly. So when you turn around and you go to the hospital, who do you think's picking up that bill? Right. Right. You are not not the person who didn't have health coverage. You're, you're picking up the bill. And, and the problem is, is instead of it being done in a governmental setting where there could be legal checks and balances, it's done in a corporate setting where all they're doing is raking us, you know, slumps all over the coal. So right. it just kills. It kills me. Right. But it is, it is frustrating because we do have this, and I'm not saying us here in this group, but the country as a whole just seems to have this, this issue with the word socialized. The minute you say that, you know, and we see it all the time, no more so in healthcare than in other things, because, you know, for eight years that Obama was in office, he tried to push through affordable healthcare, you know, finally got it. Thank you for calling it what it really is. Cause it, it just grates my, my and skin. they call it Obamacare. It's, it's like drinking a Raleigh when they call right? it Obamacare. Mixed with a Bulvedere um, while watching yeah, the play just, football. It, it is the Affordable Care Act. It it should, you know, go well beyond just, you know, President Obama. I agree. Uh, the interesting part about this specific topic is we do have one of our members who is, for all intents and purposes, as ex-military, in socialized medicine. Now, I know you run through TRICARE. TRICARE means that you can pay, you can go out of network, Right. But it is still socialized medicine to a degree in terms of the government picks up the bulk of your health care, right? Mac, your dad, vet, gets seen straight through VA. VA. Straight yeah. VA. My wife, vet, straight VA. I actually have CHAMP VA, which is a spouse's access to VA health care benefits on a much reduced level than, say, like a Mac, uh, your dad, or Grinch, you and your family. Mine is a much reduced level as a spouse and what I have access to. But at least three of the four of us have access to socialized health care. A number of people in this country, again, through Medicare, Medicaid, the VA system, get socialized health care. But it is the profit side of health care that I think is our biggest issue. The ones we hear about, the buzzwords, HMO, PPO, point of sales health care. Those are for-profit institutions that are, that are making money off our health care, and we don't always get the best health care. So the ultimate overarching theme so I can lay it out there is, you know, nationalized for-profit healthcare versus socialized healthcare and which ultimately is better for us. That's really what I'm trying to look at. Maybe that's a bad question. Maybe that's too broad. If you guys have a way of simplifying that, these, this two-part episode, that's really what I'm trying to accomplish. There's no way to simplify it. I mean, I think that's the problem when you're talking about something of this scale. Right. Um, you know, each, each of them has its, you know, pluses and minuses. Um, you know, obviously, anytime you you turn something into a for-profit institution, well, it's a business now, and the point of a business is to make money, right? And yeah. so that's what they're going to do. 
and, and, so and healthcare decisions should be based. Should on not be based on making money. Know, someone's yeah. I don't whether shareholders are going to you know get paid a dividend. But on the on the flip side, when you go socialized, you know, I mean, I have not experienced socialized or socialized healthcare. I, I know some people that, that have from from England and stuff. It has its own drawbacks, right? I mean, you know, you could need a surgery, and okay, your surgery is completely covered, and you can get it in six months. Right, and, and that's you true. Know, so what, the, the bottom line is that elective over here, elective healthcare options can take a while. Um, you, you can wait three months to up, upwards of a year to, to get something like something that you would think would be immediate, something like a hip replacement. You know, you're not going to die if you have a bad hip, but it, it can be painful and debilitating, especially in a city like this where you need to be mobile. So, yeah, there's some, there's some drawbacks to socialized medicine, sure. Go ahead, if I could, I'll just add this as well. I mean, in terms of framing healthcare, you know, I think part of the problem we have is the relative cost of GDP you know, especially for America, it's continuing to grow. I mean, we have the highest percent of GDP of any nation in the world. And at one point, we used to be able to say that came coupled with the best healthcare in the world. And I'm not sure everybody agrees that's true anymore. So the business model of it, I think is broken. And I think everybody within it is frustrated with the Frankenstein nature of it, because it is cobbled together and it's bits and pieces. And kind of everybody's unhappy with it. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not a physician, obviously, but I, I, I tend to think in, you know, just some research and podcasts I've listened to throughout the week. I mean, a lot of physicians are extremely frustrated uh, by, by this situation. You know, I think they call it the, uh, like the moral wounding or something where like, they know they're not giving the best product they can. And so they're kind of frustrated by how they are part of the system that's overseen by a hierarchy that they're, that they're tied to and what the throughput of, you know, patients is. And so I think, I think everybody's displeased with where we are. It's a bit of, okay, so how do we chart our way out of this and where would we go if we could? You know, just a couple of the, the issues in terms of numbers uh, that I had found was obviously we're talking about profit and nonprofit insurers. You know, the biggest thing being that about 84% of the American population is covered through either public health insurance at about 26% or private insurance, which then makes up the other half. It it actually makes up 70%. And you go, well, 70 and 26 is over 84. But there are uh, double coverages. Again, like me, I have insurance through my employer, but I also get doubly insured through Champ VA. So I'm one of those crossovers that get both coverage. But you're you're talking 26% of public health care, 70% privatized health care, and then 61% of health care in this com- country is covered through employment. Which so, is ridiculous. Right. That, 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 I mean, that, if, if your health care co- is tied to, your empl- to, to the fact that you have a job, yeah. it's a problem. If COVID has taught us one thing, that, that having health care should not be contingent upon being gainfully employed. Having basic health care rights just shouldn't. And I think that was one of the things through the Affordable Care Act that Obama was trying to eliminate was like, look, if you get health care through your employer, yes, your your coverage is generally in terms of cost to you reduced. But that also determined by the size of the company you work for. That's absolutely based on the the size of the company you work for, because having worked for a much larger company than I do now, I've seen, you know, my my cost of insurance you know, has gone up. No, right. I, you know, and I, I mean, I still get decent insurance. Right. Um, you know, but, but yeah, it, it has definitely gone up compared to, you know, what, what I was offered through my previous employer, because, uh, you know, again, like you said, size of the company, you know, 
size matters apparently. Well, well, well. yeah. <laughs> well, cause when you think about it, it's all about what network you're in, what healthcare network you're in. Well, right. and they're going to, they're going to pick the most affordable plan to them to offer to you. Right. Because they're, they're still eating some of that cost. Well, and it's, beca- it's become a marketing tool and a recruiting tool for companies. I know sure. uh, the, the company I'm with, they use it uh, as a marketing tool. Hey, this is the network, the healthcare network we're in. The, this, these are what our costs are. These are the benefits that you're going to get from having healthcare with us right. versus where you're at. I mean, I'm sorry, that should not be a selling point for a job. It, it shouldn't be. I mean, there needs to be a better baseline. But for it healthcare is, right? Country. And, yeah, and it is. Said, said slightly differently, you don't have transportability with your healthcare. It is contingent upon where you're employed or where you may be geographically. And that, and that becomes another huge problem, right? Because you, you find a doctor that you, you know, you particularly like who's in your current network plan, your network, and you change jobs. Well, guess what? That doctor is no longer in that network. So if you want to continue seeing that doctor, you're going to have to pay higher premiums and, or find another doctor who doesn't, who doesn't know your history potentially. That's right. And you're kind of starting all over again. And, yeah. and maybe that doesn't matter when you're 26, but when you're getting on in age and that history suddenly matters and it's like, God, now I got to start over with a new doctor and recount all the things that I've been through yeah, physically you, and health wise. It's like you and Haas are going to have that problem here soon as you get older. I know. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's the continuity of care, which right. is certainly That's an it. aspect from the physician side that they're frustrated by. And it's your medical records, despite right. the fact that we've digitized, you know, quite a, quite a bit. You transfer, and they're like, so let's talk about that MRI, and maybe you can go get the, the digits for it and then bring it, hand walk it over. But like somebody else just said, you're telling the same story all over again, and you're right. like, oh, right. my God, you know, like I'm so sick of having to explain the history of this injury for the fifth, sixth, seventh and time. And, you know, right. I, think, I think an interesting takeaway from this, you know, and this kind of goes away from the healthcare for just a second, but still ties into it, is, you know, obviously, you know, everybody here, you know, has for the most part stayed with, you know, a company for a long time, you know, how does this impact, you know, the younger generation where they, they tend to jump from company to company. I mean, again, as a younger individual, maybe you don't worry about healthcare quite as much because, you know, typically you're in better shape, you know, you're younger, you don't have the same problems, but as they get older, if they continue that, that trend of, you know, moving between companies, you know, are they going to see this as an issue? going forward well and and here's an interesting sidebar on on that thought process is this you know when they started rolling back some of the affordable care act you know and that penalty came in place for not having health insurance you know what it did is it allowed for a lot of private groups to pop up and offer subs uh, um not subsidized what's the word i'm looking for well for to to have uh, insurance outside of you know your usual employer network supplemental supplemental thank you thank you thank you grinch I guess kind of what I'm thinking is, is the way it works over here is, yeah, all right, so you pay a, you pay a ton of money in taxes, a ton of money in taxes. You get, you get amazing health care, but it can be a little slow and not uh, – is rough, it's rough around the edges. But what you can do is you can get private health care on the side, and that's just like super fast expedient, but it's expensive. Just to give you a quick, quick compare and contrast, Mrs. Haas and I are both trying to get our tickers looked at because we're both having some, some situations with it. We, we went to the primary, we got that coverage, uh, the referral to, to, uh, to, to get the stuff looked at. And for both of us to get the array of tests they wanted was going to be like 600 euros. Now, this is shit we, sh- we should be getting for free, but it's going to take longer. So if it's important to you, you can pay out of pocket. My point is this. It's because they offer you the ability to get your own supplemental 
private healthcare coverage. It seems to me that if I'm a young person and I'm marketable and I'm going into the marketplace in the US, I'm going to go to the company. I'm going to say, look, here's the deal. I've done, I've done my due diligence ahead of time. I don't like your, your network. I don't like your plans. So what I'm going to do is you're going to give me this extra amount of money every year. And then I'm going to go get my own healthcare insurance, my own supplemental insurance. That's the way I would be doing it because then I can control. Yeah, but you I, I, I think Hoss, you brought up an important point that I've heard several instances of throughout this week of just looking into this, which is because the costs keep going up, medicine in America has become reactive and defensive, not proactive. Right. It treats whatever ailment finally makes it through the door. And then there's an over-reliance on specialists, which get increasingly expensive. And then also you have other litigation concerns and so forth. So you test the shit out of everything. And that takes time and money to run all that. And the cumulative effect is the costs keep going up. You take longer to get your treatment. But at the end of the day, you're just treating what the problem is that finally manifested. Right. It isn't preventative care. It's reactionary care. And, and you brought up a great point there that, you know, and again, we can, we can bounce all over the place all day long on this. The cost of it, you know, a lot, a lot of the cost of it is because, you know, these doctors and especially some of the specialists have to carry so much malpractice insurance because of, you know, absolutely positive there are some legitimate lawsuits that happen but there's also a lot of frivolous lawsuits that happen against you know medical professionals and because of that they have to carry you know all of this insurance and so that raises the rates right i mean if you can if you can figure out a way to to toss out you know all of those lawsuits that are just kind of bs lawsuits you know never make it to the door and they don't have to settle out of court so they don't have to carry that kind of insurance then, you know, you could potentially cut your cost down there some too. Well, Haas made the point a while ago talking about, you know, the people making the decisions for you, the healthcare decisions for you. And, and I want to say this because I was talking to my dad about it and he's, his thing was, there's a problem when the person has an investment in telling you no versus a person who has absolutely no monetary investment in providing you healthcare. The guy that is invested in you will tell you no, will take a long time to get those tests. We'll do Because he knows you're paying for that down the road. That's not a benefit to you. Well, case in point, we all remember when my wife got sick shortly after we got married, right? Right. When, she, when, when we were in Vegas, all they were doing were just running a bunch of tests and running a bunch of tests and running a bunch of tests. The reason we ended up in LA at UCLA was because one of the nurses pulled me aside one night because I was super sad, super frustrated. I'm sure acting like a big ass dumb baby kid, man child. And she pulled me aside and thank God she did because she must have felt sorry for me or just wanted me to quit acting like an asshole. I don't know. She pulled me aside and she said, look, all they're doing is running all these tests because they don't know what's wrong. And the type of specialist they need doesn't have rights to this hospital. So she can't even see the specialist they know she needs. So what they're doing is they're running, keep running all these tests doing this so they can run the freaking bill up. Her bills ended up being over a million dollars. But that's the problem with healthcare, like an HMO. You're required to go through your primary care physician to get a referral to an outside specialist. specialist right? They know you need. And it's, and I'll be honest, and I know, again, we have a couple of people here. With my wife in the VA, it's even fucking worse when you try to get a specialist within the VA or ask to go outside of the VA. They absolutely drag their feet, and it's a fucking ridiculous mess, and I get tired of it. So, um, I, I will say one thing I heard that I thought was interesting. Uh, I guess some of this stuff is referred to as like, you know, medical evolution 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0 or something like that. And I guess 1.0 was like 
up to bedside manner, add the heart, the connectivity to the patient, you know, listen to the patient. 2.0 was the shifting of medical records to online, more automated systems, like more efficient processing. And I think some would argue in that process, what was lost was the heart, the connection to the patient, because it became like an assembly line, you know, it's, it's more throughput. So when you're assessing hospitals and those are, you know, running hospitals, it's about throughput cost and that kind of thing of, you know, staying financially viable. I think some would like to see the evolution into 3.0, which is the merging back of the two that can reconnect to the patient preventative care. It's a team that has as much life coaching connected to the primary physician as much as the right network of specialists. So that the conversation, there's continuity to the conversation of whatever the patient's saying is the problem. And then it's pointed testing to get to an end result. And, you know, and the obvious example would be like diabetes, you know, if somebody has diabetes and they keep coming in and they're never losing weight and the doctor's like, you know, what, what I can prescribe to you insulin. I can tell you how this is going to go. You have to fix your aspect of life. Right. Potentially get better. And there's nothing I can do about that. Right. All I can do is treat the problem you're bringing, you know, to my doorstep. But I mean, you look at the, you look at the VA and I don't know if this is an issue you have through TRICARE, but I know with my wife, when she goes to the VA, her primary care through the VA, they are allotted 15 minutes per session. So it's basically like when my wife gets in, she's got to vomit every issue she has 15 minutes and it's made even worse, right? When that doctor leaves and a new primary comes in, it's like, now I've got to explain to this doctor every issue that I've had. I got to do it in 15 minutes. I mean, how do you get helpful care when it's a 15 minute window, vomit it and then move on? The only upside she has is the women care under the VA. They get an hour appointment, but the primary care is 15 minutes. And it is literally just this conveyor belt of patients just running through. Yeah. And and I, I, I agree with well, that. In, in all fairness, I think that's primary care in the in the private sector too. Actually. Yeah, I don't think you I mean, don't get if you get face and, and and that's if you even get FaceTime with a doctor. With a doctor, a lot it's of times usually it's a, it's, a, it's like a RN, you know, in uh, NP yeah, or RN or whatever, yeah. something like that. So, hell, at least you're seeing doctors <laughs> at the VA. But, I, yeah, again, I, sorry, I, I, yeah, I will say. I mean, you know, in my last job, you know, we had our own team of of medical professionals, which made it, you felt like they were advocating on your behalf to get you what you needed, which is helpful because when you're in like big army, uh, I, I mean, I, I still to this day say, I think part of what finally led to me getting my sol- shoulder surgery is the rank I had achieved. And the fact that I was that rank speaking with the doctor who was less, it was actually a lower rank than I was. And it's sad that that has to. Yeah. And I was like, bro, I'm tired of having to tell this story over and over and over. I feel like I'm trying to convince you. Right. That I have something wrong. I was like, you're the one that's supposed to be telling me what's wrong. Right. Like I show up, you tell me what's wrong. Yeah. You listen to what I say, but I'm not self-diagnosing, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like well, as an engineer, if you came to me to build your house, I wouldn't go, well, well, what do you think we should do? You know, I'm like, you tell me what you want to build. I'm going to build it because that's right. what my profession is. I agree even in, in the public space, but like, I know my doctor, my doctor will just sit with me and, and it's not like they're doing this, like looking at their watch going, uh, we, we, I've got other patients. Yes, they have other patients, but I've gone to a doctor's office and I've sat for a half hour, right? My appointments at one o'clock and it's one thirty, and they'll come in and I apologize. I was sitting with a patient. Yeah. Now you're going to fucking sit with me. Like, and there's never been an issue, but when it, 
when it comes to the VA, my wife will go in and they're like, okay, your appointment's at one. I'm here at one at one we're done. So if everything's not dealt with, sorry, we're just moving on. And it's like, wait a minute, I've got issues. And, and I do want to take a second just because you do, you know, and we, we are harping on the VA um, and you do hear all of the, the horror stories, but I, I will say, you know, that th- they have been fantastic for everything my father's gone through. You know, I know he's gotten to be into a little bit more of the private care sector stuff, but, but, you know, anything he's needed, uh, the VA has not questioned it really. Um, you know, there were a few things that were, you know, he had to jump through some hoops to get, you know, fill out some paperwork, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but everything that he needed, they, they, they've gotten for him. And that's um, great. Which, which I don't think he would have, would have gotten the same, you know, same kind of care and coverage under, you know, a private insurance plan, honestly. Yeah. And, and I'm not doing it to harp on the VA. No, no, no. I get it. I just want, you know, you, you do hear about, I mean, it's not yes. just, you know, it's not what you're saying. I mean, you've heard about the horror stories of the VA and, and, right. and I have no doubt that they exist. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's fair. You, you tend to hear the bad anecdotes. It's just like bad reviews. Yeah. But right. for every bad review, there's probably 10, 20, 30 you people. You hope so. Are like, I think it's fine, you know. But the other yeah, the problem is nobody that, you know, and, and this goes for anything, right? I mean, if you have a good experience, you know, nobody bothers to tell anybody about that. It's only when you have a bad experience do you go yelling and Absolutely. screaming about it. So. Yeah. I, I agree the bad experience gives you more traction. The other interesting part about the VA and the part I don't understand my wife is employed. She has coverage through her office. If she goes to the VA, that is socialized medicine for my wife. But if she says, I've got Cigna or United Healthcare, the VA charges her insurance first, and then they pick up whatever's left over. Wait a minute. That's some dirty shit, right? You are supposed that's, to give me yeah, my that's kind of backwards shit, right? But that's what they do. Yeah, Medicaid is very similar. Yeah. You have Medicaid... You opt into it. Your supplemental will will pick up whatever is excess. It isn't first to pay, as I understand it. Right. Right. But, you know, with her, she has had VA insurance since the mid-90s. And, you know, then when she – and has always used the VA. And then when she finally gets insurance, and I'm talking to her, get insurance through your company. I've got the VA. I don't give a shit. Get insurance through your company. At least it gives you the option to go out. You have the option. Right. You can go to your own person. And she's like, okay. And then she goes to the VA and they're like, you know, fill out the paperwork or whatever. And it's like, has there been any change of life? I got a job. I've got, oh, what's your insurance? Oh, it's Florida, Blue, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida. Oh, we're going to need that card. Why? I have insurance through you people. Why do you need my private insurance? Because oh, if well, we, we can have, make money. Right. And it's like, wait to. a minute. How does that work? You know, it's, it's just one of those weird things. I, I use the VA again as a backup. So if my coverage through my employer doesn't cover something, then yes, I will give them my champ VA and it'll pick up not necessarily everything, but it does defer some of my costs. But it's like, I I don't understand how a socialized situation, like they will still charge an insurance company to make money. Because they can. Exactly. You know, and I'll say just kind of zooming back out again with kind of the premise of what we're starting with here. I mean, I think we all agree healthcare should be a right. Universal healthcare should occur the argument is more what that looks like versus the principle of whether you should have healthcare. And, right. you know, somebody who walks in the door, I mean, as Haas said, it's, it's getting paid for one way or the other. Now, some of the treatment, let's say, let's say it is an illegal immigrant that comes into ER, they're going to get treated and they may not get the same level of treatment. Sure. And I get that to a point, 
it's more the how. Like, what's the right answer to get to universal health care? I, I want to spin off on that for a second. So, you know, the company uh, that I work for provides health care for prisons and jails. And there's a real recidivism issue because a lot of the individuals that are in there, believe it or not, go in there on purpose. They do something to get there on purpose because they're getting better health care in the prison system than they're getting outside of the prison system. What does that say? And if, well, and if they the, get, and, the and if they get of... released, they get released. They purposely go back because they know they're going to get their meds. They're going to get three meals. They're going to get sheltered. You know, I mean, cable like, TV, get, right, get an I mean, education. Yeah. I, so I'm yeah. sorry when, when you said when you said you know a foreigner coming into like the ER or whatever. It just made me think about that and how frustrating that is um, because I, you you guys would not believe some of the stuff that prisoners get uh, from healthcare that they can't get or they have trouble getting on the outside. Like a sex change. Yeah, I, I was going to say exactly. I mean, and again, I'm not holding the conversation. I'm not judging anything, but it seems like, the, you know, it's elective surgery, right? Is that something that should be covered? <laughs> we don't really want to go down that legal spiral. Exactly. Hole. Right? I, I, I could talk I for hours on that, to be honest, but, but it, it, it was just, it was kind of in tandem to where I think you were going there, Grinch. Yeah. yeah. And the, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you, you brought this up earlier. It's not just the people trying to get healthcare. It's the doctors. They spend 200 grand to go to school. They're an internist. You know, they finally make it into the profession as a doctor. And then they're working for these companies, these HMOs that are getting reduced rates because they're contractually obligated to provide healthcare. And they're going, well, I'm 200 grand in debt and I'm making peanuts. I'd rather be in a private institution where I can make more money. You know? Yeah. And yes, well, I mean, does that, that go, go ahead? I would say that spirals too. If we, if, if education was socialized in this country and you weren't 200 grand in debt, then the other issues probably wouldn't exist on the same level. It's why they're constantly turning doctors over at the VA to go back to that because they're paying an arm and a leg for their education and getting paid peanuts at the VA. Well, and that that's, that brings up the point of, do you do something like, you know, okay, fine. We're going to cover you to go to medical school for, you know, what is it every eight years or whatever. When you get out, we're going to pay you a living wage to be a doctor in this socialized healthcare system. You know, you're still going to make a living wage. You're not going to make, you know, millions and millions of dollars right. or whatever, but enough to live. And you're going to do that for four years, but you've got, you know, your education. Again, we're not going to give it to you for free maybe, but you know, right. cost you the normal price, you know, I mean, I mean something like that. And, and then, you know, you're going to provide us a service for four years and then, you know, the contract's up and we move on and go from there. I, I don't know. Yeah, right. we do this. We do the same thing with lawyers as well uh, in the military. You know, you pay. You basically pay for the schooling after the fact, and then they, you know, serve X number of years to pay for that. And I think, you know, for in both scenarios, what you get is you get the protection of the government from litigation. Yes, the pay is going to be less, but the protections are much higher. Right. Um, because you're not suing the individual doctor unless it's just egregious, you know, malpractice. You, right. you're, you're basically suing the government. If right. something goes wrong and that's like the benefit you get of uncle Sam being behind you. I think for the doctors that are in private practice, you know, a lot of them, my suspicion is, and I, again, I'm not a physician is you may start in ER, you may start in general practice, but you don't want to stay there long because that's their true front line right. of dealing with the problems, right? Because all this stuff rolls downhill. So they're seeing it firsthand and they're probably frustrated by it. They want to do better. And the evolution is to maybe move into a specialization because now you don't have to know like every single possible 
situation that walks in the door, you just need to know the heart or, right. you know, ear, nose, whatever, you know, like ENT kind of thing. Right. So I get it. You know, these surgeons especially are probably, you know, yeah, they're doing some really high end difficult surgeries, but it's also a lot more niche and they're doing it over and over. So they get good at it. Right. Well, yeah, anecdotally, 20, 20 years ago, I was working for an intellectual property firm, a very famous intellectual property law firm in Atlanta. And most intellectual property law firms are filled with doctors and former doctors, or I say former, but doctors and engineers, because you have to have that, that knowledge base to carry over into the law practice part of it. And every doctor who worked there, I, I would hear the same story. And there was actually one nurse, uh, like high-end nurse, like a nurse practitioner who became a lawyer. They all had the same story, which was we got tired of being sued. We, we were passionate. It was a calling. We loved it, but we get tired of being sued. And so what they saw was, oh, wait, I can now go back to law school, get three years of education and make way more money than I was making as a doctor. Oh, yeah. And I don't have to worry about getting sued. Right. Less like litigation. A win to me. Right. Uh, same with yeah. EMTs, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I think a buddy of mine who was an EMT was like, I got, I got sick of it. He's like, I got sick of saving people's lives and then getting something in the mail or being notified months later that I was being charged for a damaged, whatever, you know, right. I saved a fucking person's life and that's the thanks. Right. right. Uh, and I think Mac, I think it's Sweden. I think Sweden does that. They've got a socialized uh, education system and you can be a doctor. And then I think it's you owe the government three years of service as right. a doctor where they pay you. And then after that, if you want to go private or do whatever, that's on you, but your education's paid for. You're not, hundreds of thousands of whatever their currency in is in debt. Right. I, I think that could be something that could work here. Will it? No, because we are, unfortunately, we're going to say capitalism, right? It's all about making profit. money. That, that's profit. profit. And, and but, but, hold on, but, hold, but isn't that kind of the point? Isn't that kind of the point of, of why we're talking about this? Healthcare should not be a for-profit institution. No, it shouldn't right. be. But well, that's what you I'm know, saying. the four of us aren't going to be able to fix that. I wish no. we could. It, and, and if will, we could oh, fix things, the, the mind of our 10 listeners, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> but, and I think, I will say, I think there's a couple of subcategories of that. I, I mean, I, I, I could probably have a nuanced discussion about it if we broke it down further. But in general, yes, I, I, I sort of don't like the idea of you're more likely to live based on more money you have because you can have better health care. Although that's kind of like we talked with gun control. That's kind of what America is. Um, but, you know, hospital care is the bulk of the cost like the actual in care of a hospital or clinic, you know, the prescription drugs is an aspect. I, I, you know, I think the numbers suggest it's not really as, as expensive as it, you know, is perceived in right. terms of total cost. Yeah, I mean, it just depends and, on what kind of medication you need. I guess. Right. Cause yeah. some of that comes from the incentives for innovation and development, which is you own the patent on any new drug for X amount of years or months before the generics can kick in and the price starts going down. Right. You know, it's the in health, it, it, like healthcare hasn't gotten more efficient in cost necessarily. It can, it tends to get more exquisite and elegant. I, I, I think, I think somebody may tell me I'm totally wrong, but like running an MRI or a CAT scan and some of these really high end tests, they tend to get really, really expensive. Like the more you go and you only, I feel like you only see marginal improvements in the cost because right. in all that is how the hospital is is getting its money is for billing for all those services. Like the actual running of the hospital cost is maybe, I don't know, year over year. I'd be curious to see like 20 years ago, how much it cost to run a hospital today. But yeah, the system is designed to keep pulling in money because that's how they, 
that's how they exist. Stay in business, right? You know, and, and I think one thing that, that shocked me, uh, I found an, an article that talked about a uh, study they did that found that 66% of all bankruptcies declared in America were tied to medical issues. And that, that seems like a staggering number, but I mean, you know, if you get sick and you don't have health care, that's it. You're, you're pretty much done. Well, yeah, and we haven't spoken to pre-existing conditions, which I think is another thing. Oh, that's that a whole other thing. Because yeah. once you're in that hole, you can't get out. Right. You well, can't get out of it. The world, and, and here's the problem. They keep moving that target too. They keep changing what's a pre-existing condition, the parameters of what is considered a quote unquote pre-existing condition. And, it, and it then just that muddies the waters even further. I mean, it's, it's, it's a shit show. Because well, again, if, if you have a condition and you get laid off for whatever reason, you're inevitably going to go have to get new insurance, which is no longer going to cover a pre-existing condition and you're screwed. Well, the World Health Organization, Mac, about what you were saying, the World Health Organization talks about healthcare should provide all the basic benefits of healthcare without creating a financial hardship on the person receiving the healthcare. But in this country, I mean, Haas, you mentioned it with your wife and her issues. That shit, it becomes, it goes, it gets expensive real quick. And, and you can just, all you're doing is laying in a hospital bed. I, I'll be honest. I mean, all of you know, I was laid up in a hospital bed as a teenager, huffing Freon out of an air conditioning unit. I was in the hospital a week. I was actually in two separate hospitals, uh, Humana and then Crawford Long downtown. They, trans, they transported me there. I had double pneumonia. I had aspirated vomit into both my lungs. I had double pneumonia. I don't know what that week in the hospital of recovery, I don't know what that cost my parents. I know when my dad had his heart attack in 89, they gave him a shot, whatever that shot was. I mean, I was young. I don't know. I know that shot was thousands of dollars for one injection. And it's like, so very quickly, you've got a shot that's expensive, an ambulance ride. People won't call an ambulance because ex ambulances are fucking expensive. And it's like, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, uh, when it becomes prohibitive, that's a problem. And I was just going to add, I mean, that's, potentially all the known expenses, if you will. I use right. that term loosely. You know, there's certainly num a number of horror stories out there of the surprise bills that somehow a service was provided that the patient didn't really understand. Right. Or at well, least didn't understand within the framework of the insurance. And now they get this $10,000 bill. The worst part about it is, you, you know, you, you mentioned that, Grinch. When you're in a hospital, you're not thinking about Oh, well, okay. Explain that test to me. And what's the cost and what's nor, the benefit of it, right? Nor I mean, should you have to, right? You shouldn't have to, right? And, and you know, we, we went through a situation there for two years where, you know, it was my wife's father was in the hospital for, you know, six to seven months and then physical therapy. My dad went into the hospital for a couple of weeks and then, you know, long stint. And I mean, it got to the point, certainly with my wife's father, where we, one of us had to be at the hospital 24-7 to monitor what they were doing because you just, you know, again, he was not in the, you know, any position to, you know, understand what they were doing or make decisions or make a decision. I mean, you, yeah. that, that's the last thing you should worry about when you're in the and hospital that's a great thing is the cost up. of what's going to, what all this is going to do. You should be worried about getting better. Right. Agreed. It's so two things real quick. I want to back up to the uh, pre-existing condition thing that there's a sidebar issue with that. 
where if we continue to have this pre-existing condition thing grow in the U.S., what it does is it makes people stay in employment conditions that they otherwise would not stay in because they're afraid of what happens if they leave their current employer and go to a new employer and they get out of that network and then go into a new network. Right. Are they going to, are they going to not have coverage? And so that, that should not be a thing. It should, it should not be a condition of you deciding to stay employed at a place you don't like that you don't want to be at because you're afraid that if you leave this network and go to a new network, you're not going to get covered. Right. I wanted to roll back to that. <clears throat> the second thing is you're right. If you don't have good advocates there it, with pe- with your loved ones in in American healthcare system, it, it could be a, it could be a colossal shit show. I lived it with my wife back in 2009 when she almost died and was in the hospital for eight weeks. It was horrible. I mean, I slept and lived at that hospital. I would only go home to shave, shower, get into a change of clothes, and maybe take a nap. But I lived I lived at that hospital. And I saw and there was a couple incidents where. They didn't see me over there sleeping under all the blankets and stuff. And I, I, I heard women and nurses yell at her and throw shit at her and curse at her. Like, what? No? Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that's what, you know, back to that 1.2.0, 3.0. I mean, that's what's lost at the end of the day is the humanity of it all. Of You're treating humans. They're in the most vulnerable phase of their, potentially of their lives, being asked to make tough decisions on tests and if they have family there that might be of sound mind and available they can help guide them through it but the people who are supposed to have your best interest in mind are backed by the numbers behind it not trying to do whatever it takes to keep you alive and if i were to say fundamentally and be snarky that's my beef with the republican party with its take on health care it will fight to make sure you can't terminate a baby but it doesn't want to take care of you afterwards Right. I, I, I agree there's a place for privatized healthcare and all these other things to create innovation and, you know, facilitate, you know, environments for the best medicine possible. But back to what Haas was saying, fundamentally, you shouldn't be worried about if you'll get taken care of and what happens if you lose your job or your team. Well, you were, that that's really the baseline. We're not asking for a lot. Just the baseline <laughs> to say these are the things we don't want Americans to worry about day to day, so we can focus on other stuff. I will say, in defense of the the, the you know, especially the frontline healthcare workers, you know, I, I've seen you know, again, having having spent time there in the hospital, I've seen those guys. I mean, they they are getting just beat down. So at some point, you know, you do probably get desensitized to it. You get counted. And I'm not, you know, hey, I'm not saying it's right. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, it's natural part of the point, you know, that that you're dealing with humans and and you have to have some compassion. But, you know, if you're seeing the same thing over and over again and you're you're being told from above that that's fine, you can't do anything about it. You just treat them and, you know, put them back on the streets, then eventually you're going to become numb to it and, and, you know, again, to your point, Grinch, it, it's natural human behavior to then, you know, just kind of lash out and, and, and be tired about it. Well, I'll tell you, a lifetime for me personally in and out of hospitals, what I learned with my wife's situation was when it came to her frontline healthcare providers, I did everything I could. Like if I was going to get a snack or a soda or whatever, I would ask them if they wanted something. I made sure I learned their names. I would ask them about their family. I made it to where it had to be personal. I made it to where they knew my wife was personal and was a human being and they knew me and I knew them because I knew I needed to draw them into that. But see, unfortunately in our country, the way things are currently set up, not everybody has that. If you don't have an active advocate there on your behalf day in and day out, you're, you're a leg down. 
And it, I know it, studies have shown that people of color are a leg down yeah. the way they get treated in our healthcare system. And, and you bring up a great point there. And that, and that was a trick that we used without a doubt, Haas, was, you know, we would, we constantly had a basket of, you know, miniature candies on the other side of the room. So if you, you know, and it was free for everybody to come in and get one, but you had to walk past her father and acknowledge that he was there and see him in order to get that. In the morning, we'd go get donuts and leave them in the room for anybody that came in, um, you know, go get coffee. You, you, you have to treat them like humans. And, and I think a lot of times they don't get that either. And that's tough. You should have charged for all that. And when they ask, say, look, you're raping right. me on my fucking Surprise hotel. bill, motherfucker. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> Your nurses <laughs> ate an average of four donuts a day. And, and I'm right. charging you $200 per donut. Right. That's it. Yeah. And I will say. But again, I, I, hey, it's not. The, the problem is the people that are coming into that room, it's not their fault the system's broken. You're right. They would love to fix the system. It, it's, yeah. it's the business above them and, and the people running the hospital. It, yep. it, it, or, or making yeah. those decisions and it's tough for them. Yeah. And if I can kind of come full circle on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, if there's a correlation between the police are the front line of all the stuff that we don't solve as a society, they, they bear the brunt of all that. Our physicians, our nurses, PAs, hospital administrators, they bear the brunt of a broken system and they do, they get callous to it. And I know it wears them down. I know it does, you know, it, to a lesser extent, you know, in the army, I saw this with, at like Pentagon level, they kept heaping on all these training requirements that as it went down to each level, all you do is cut the order, passing it down to the next level. I mean, you might know at your level, like this shit makes no sense and they're never going to have time for that, but you just pass it down. And so at the ground level, that unit's like, there's no way we can get all this done. And the cracks and seams start forming, which is where, you know, however many months ago last year, you know, uh, there was this thing in the military about, you know, honesty and pencil whipping requirements because that that was the byproduct of it. You simply didn't have the time to do it all. And so I think the podcast I was listening to tying it back to what you were just getting at. And one of the, the questions I heard the guests get asked was, so how do, how do we start? Like, what do we do to start fixing this? And the guest's response was, we need to build a coalition of physicians who start voicing what the solutions are like the voice needs to come from them and it and it needs to resonate because if, if they as an entire community start voicing what they're seeing what they think the fixes are you might start getting people to listen and and we've over politicized healthcare, but if we can start breaking that apart and saying it isn't the politics of it let's just there you go that's the number that's one the, thing is we yeah. need to take the politics out of our own principles do it the american way which is going to be a cobbled version that's fine but let's instead of fighting affordable health care and offering nothing in as a replacement, even though it's been said. I keep waiting for what is your plan? Well, and that, and right. that was a fantastic let's dodge. Actually, that, that was the best dodge of, of the week. Yeah, because right? you only, you know, government is what it is. It only improves incrementally. The big change is super hard, and then you tweak it and fix it and make it better over the years, and that hasn't happened. All the insurance companies know it's one Supreme Court vote away or one, one Congress away from getting unraveled they can't invest in the future and that's the and you bring up a great point there and i think that's the biggest problem because again to if it's tied to politics it's going to change every four to eight years and so you're going to have something put in place that's then immediately going to get rolled back maybe replaced with something else we don't know what that is yet 
but something else is going to come in place in four years from now, that's going to get repealed. So if, you, if you're tying it into the politics of, of stuff, you're never going to have a stable system. Well, this has been a fun and an interesting topic. You know, again, we said this was going to be a two-parter. Today was a look at national health care, the pluralistic privatized nature of it. Uh, yes, there are nonprofit options here in America. They also come with their own caveats and issues, as, as we have mentioned in, in some regards. You know, next episode, we're going to look at a socialized version. What is socialism? What is socialized healthcare? What would that potentially look like? What does it look like in other countries? And I'm hoping that everybody that has listened in on this episode will do their due diligence and follow up and listen in on the next episode that they can see how all of this plays out from our perspective. So I'm curious just around the table in terms of our pluralistic privatized version here in America, you know, where does every, how does everybody feel? Does it work? Yes or no. And again, I know we're short on time, just real quick, give us a few points, nationalized healthcare. How do you feel about it? Grinch go. Uh, yeah, pretty succinctly. I, like I said, I agree with the principle. Everybody should have healthcare, should have access to healthcare. I think if you agree on the system and move forward, then you make it better and better and better. That's the idea. Um, you know, some of the elective stuff can be more exorbitant, like, okay, you want to do plastic surgery. All right. That's not life-saving. You can pay out the ass for that. If you right. want, you know, a new face or boots or whatever. So yeah, I, I'm I'm fully on board with the principle Hold of. Hold on, it. wait a minute, wait a minute. You, I, you I threw boots in there. Oh man, I think about it. That, I think we that, that's not cosmetic. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That, that should not. That's a fundamental us, right. Okay. You don't give us the code, buddy. <laughs> buddy, we we, we love your attention. Your just where they are. Knows. <laughs> um, I will love yeah. you if you want to get breast enlarged. Uh, don't worry about it. I want to need a reduction. So in terms of that, in terms of social socialized healthcare, you know, it isn't perfect. But I will tell you, I, knowing that I have it, I don't worry about it. And that's a huge mental burden off, off of anybody, you know, for me not to wonder what if my daughter develops this or what if my wife has this condition? I don't worry about it. You are in that weird know. space for that, though. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, okay, I, I, I put in my 20 years, you know, I have TRICARE now. Oh, you and know, I apologize. Right. That was not to diminish the fact no. that you did put in 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that goes to, to, to further that statement, and this is my quick snippet on this to keep us rolling, is that's exactly the point. If I work 20, 25 years and I pay my taxes, then all of a sudden I don't have a job, why the fuck don't I have health care? That's my point. I'm not necessarily yeah. against a – well, I am kind of for, for against for, – I am against a for-profit health care. I'm not against a national – uh, healthcare system, but that's my point. It shouldn't be contingent on employment because if I'm paying my taxes and I'm paying them regularly and I'm being a good citizen, shouldn't matter whether I have a job or not. I should have the rights of basic freaking healthcare. Right, but it's like we talked about real quick. You know, Mac is working for a company that has fifty thousand employees nationwide. His healthcare is much lower. He leaves that company. He can get healthcare, right? But now he's paying a much higher rate. If it's just individualized healthcare, not going to another company, he can go out and get private insurance for himself, but he doesn't have that 50,000 employee package the, the reducing power. his cost, right? So uh, there's got to be a way to reduce the cost for individuals to go out and yeah, get I'll say it. I'll say you raise taxes. You change yeah, the tax structure. That's it. That's the, only, mean, that's the only way you've... 
that, that's the, yeah, Grinch but, was right. you've got to get a contingent of, of, of respected doctors to come together to help reform it. But the only way you really move this forward is you change the tax platform and how, how this is funded. And I'm okay with that. Grinch said it episodes ago. If you're paying extra in taxes, you will not miss it. It will just become a part of your daily life and, and there will well, be nothing but, said about it. But let's, let's stop and think about that. Are you paying, you're paying extra in taxes, but you're moving sand piles at that point because now you're not paying, you know, whatever that, that monthly premium is that you're taking out for your health care. You've just all, taken all that this, money and moved it right. over to this bucket in taxes. So, it, you know, you're 100% right. It, it, since Mrs. Haas and I have been here, we've had that discussion of how that's changed. When, when 50, 50 percent of her pay goes to the Austrian government. Yeah, but here's the difference. I guess I have, I have a different approach in terms of taking care of your fellow man. If I'm paying my private insurance, that covers none of the three of you. If I now pay taxes, I'm giving all of you the benefit of health care through my taxes, and I'm okay with that. That's mm -hmm. the part that matters. When you talk about moving sand piles, but, yes, but now I'm providing the other three people in this group with help they wouldn't necessarily have. And, and the I'm problem is, I think you're in the minority there because then there's a you know, fundamental think, fucking no. Problem. I agree. As 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 you know, just general human sure. beings, we we need to look out for each other. Right. It's all about me, me, me. I happen. get that. Yeah. Like I said, I, I I've never seen a party care so much about an unborn baby and not give a shit about what happens after it comes into the world. Like, right. It, 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 yeah. It, it cost us X dollars yes. to have an abortion, or you know, X times you know. It, 20,000 to raise that kid and put them most likely, you know, and again, I'm being very judgmental here on Medicaid, socialized, so benefit. socialized yeah, I, I, healthcare. I'm saying you're paying for the it. continuity of life. Right. I mean, yeah. as Haas mentioned, the recidivism rate. Right. I mean, I can remember in, in, in Athens being an intern with the police department and there was a dude who faked a heart attack every day in the middle of a road just so the EMTs would come check on him. That, it, it, every day, like the call center, they knew him by name. As soon as they heard man down in the middle of the street, they that's all coming. he wanted it's Fred. somebody to check on. Okay, well, let's move the train along. Mac, nationalized health care, how do you feel about it? I, you know, I, I think that what we have today is broken. I, I don't think it works for us as a country across the board. You know, is, is the answer single-payer socialized, some sort of, you know, socialized health care? I don't know the answer to that. What I can tell you... I sure as hell would like to see us try and see what happens. You know, I think maybe at the end of the day, it becomes a combination of here's your, here's your insurance for all. And it's going to cover this stuff, you know, the basic stuff. Again, to your point, if you want something cosmetic or if you want, you know, something extra, you go out and buy that private insurance. Right. Um, you know, and you have that option, but you know, your basic rights and your basic coverage is going to be covered as part of that, that healthcare package. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. And, and like I just said a moment ago, I'm okay with paying a higher tax rate if it means other people benefit from that. I'm good with it. Like Grinch said, once it's gone from your check, you'll never miss it. It won't matter, right? So you can't miss what you don't even know exists, right? You never see it. And you get a piece of mind you get of knowing Grinch that, hit that it, right? That's it. That you, you That's what it comes down to, to really. It. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're going to end this there, nationalized healthcare. We talked about it. Please join us for the next episode where we will cover socialized healthcare and we will see what the differences are, the benefits one way or the other. As we wrap things up here, we invite all of our listeners to join in the debate by hitting up our website at aspirateddebate.com for all the latest news, drink recipes, and more. 
Feel free to follow us on Instagram, social media, at A Spirited Debate or on Twitter at Spirited Debates. Sorry, I don't have a Facebook page. So if you're looking for us there, you're shit out of luck. You know what? I can create one. How about that? I'm sure you can. As always, please feel free to drop us a line at spirideddebates at gmail.com. You can send in topics you'd like us to debate, drink recipes you'd like us to try, or just give us some general feedback to help us make the show better. And please, please do not forget to smash that follow button. Download our new debates each and every week. Until next time, yeah. from all of us here at A Spirited Debate, we'd like to say... Prost! Empire. The salute and Cheers, gentlemen. Thank you. Salute <laughs> 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 <laughs>